Welcome to Keepers. We're a married couple who went to France for the 2019 World Cup, fell in love with women's soccer. So when the pandemic hit, we started a fantasy league for the NWSL. This is our podcast. I'm Holly Wild. Hit me up at Wild Holly on Twitter and IG. And I'm Jared Gilkerson. Find me at Jared underscore radio and follow us at Keepers Podcast. Holly, this is it. First episode. How exciting is this? <laughs> oh, audience, if only you could see, I'm getting like this super cute Jared grin right now. It's very exciting. It's very exciting. Yeah. I mean, you and I have been talking about doing this. I mean, it's what now? What I don't even know what month it is now. April. We've been talking about doing this pretty much since last summer. You know, we, we, we made a fantasy league. We had a draft at home. It was like the deep part of the pandemic. Like it was lockdown central. We're in LA by the way. And it's, you know, uh, it was, it, it hit hard and yeah, we live on a different planet than everyone else. Apparently pandemic experience for sure. (laughs) And so we, you know, we launched this league last year and we talked trash and we had a separate, you know, a separate fantasy league for the challenge cup. And then one for the fall series and we had separate drafts and it was awesome. It was so much fun. And we're like, we need to, we need to do this. And so we expanded our league and now we have a show about it and I cannot wait to talk fantasy NWSL every week. Well, let's get started then. Okay, great. So <laughs> let's, let's jump into some news. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> Episode one, <laughs> already the first blunder. So that was, uh, we have these giant colorful buttons on our soundboard um but somehow jared was not able to press one correctly for that drop (sighs) can we try that again (laughs) let's do the news (laughs) (laughs) oh god okay so fun stuff here uh we're in it's like kitsville every team is now like just exploding with new kits and new looks mm-hmm. and it's great because the nwsl has historically not really done this like you know in a, in a huge way and then starting last year we had these awesome kits from the thorns and the dash and so this year i wanted to just dive in and have us talk about what our favorite and least favorite new kits are all right so so, so for everyone who likes to geek out on on kits and aesthetics as much as as my husband does this is for you yeah, and if you want to follow along, I, we love our people at The Athletic and Meg Lenahan. They have a great article breaking down each team's either new or old or soon-to-be kit. So, um, I mean, real rapid fire. Holly, like first look. First look. First look at all of these new new kits. Which ones stand out to you? Which ones are you really liking? I love the Kansas City Whites. I think this I, – I, I just – I love the blue socks accent. I think it's clean. It's slick. It looks super cool. Uh, the other one that I love that I didn't think I was going to love actually is um, Orlando. I think that their their um, their black kit is amazing. And you know, when I saw it, you know, in in um, just as the shirt, as just as the jersey, I thought oh, this is going to look terrible. But then when I actually saw it on, it looks super cool. And I love the ombre that goes from black to purple. And I love the the themes that go with it in terms of, um, you know, giving a shout out to the women from Hidden Figures and tying in with the space community in Orlando. So I, I got to say, those are my two standouts. What about you? 
Well, there's been some negative reaction with Kansas City. So let's just say that a lot of people say it's too plain. Um, so I mean, not to revisit okay. that. It's plain, <laughs> but it's not freaking horrible. I mean, like if you want not plain, you can go to Louisville. And <laughs> I mean, like, I don't even know what misguided decade we were in when we designed these, but like, I don't feel like fierce if I'm wearing this on the pitch. Are you kidding me? They're so, yeah, they're not plain, but they're hideous. Okay. Like it's much better to be plain, to be terrible, like to be tasteless. I'll get into one of my favorites for the next new segment. So I'll save, I'll save it. But honestly, I'm with you with Orlando. I feel like they went for it. It's got that, uh, now let's, I don't know if I'm talking in the right terms, but it's got the bottom part of the jersey is purple and the top part of the jersey kind of fades into a black with stars. Actually, it's the other way around, but keep going. That's purple black. <laughs> oh, my so, bad. You're right. Yeah, You're I right. am right. All right. So, and I, I like that they went for it because I think on television, that's just always key, or if you're watching from the stands, most of the time it's really, really, it's a really wide shot. And so I want to be able to see detail from far away. Now you've got like Portland last year who has really cool intricate roses and thorns, and it's really cool. No complaints. But I really love yeah. When, did other when red you can stars see from far away? All the, their city jersey was great, but you couldn't read it. Yeah. yeah. So, but now with Orlando, like from far away, you're going to get that like you're going to get this kind of cool black purple, and you're going to pick up both. Um, so I love what they did there. And um, all right, I worst think that's my worst favorite. kit, Kansas City. Kansas City is awful because uh, you're going to get that Palmer Square ad right across the middle, and you, but they don't even have a team name. Like, I know they moved and were uprooted from Utah. I know that's hard to do. But really, they're literally Kansas City Woso or Kansas City NWSL. That's the name of the team. But you have all this time to be like, okay, we've got our sponsor, we've got all this stuff, but then you have, what is this? They're just, I just, I feel like it's half effort and the team's had enough time to make something else. I dig the socks, <laughs> love the socks, but I don't like that. I don't like the Kansas City one. And it's it pains, it. Uh, I think that's my least favorite, but I am skeptical of this away courage kit with the mountains, because it looks really similar to what Utah had last year. Oh, is that what those were? Yeah, and I know I know what they're going for, It's but it just to me doesn't scream it's North Carolina. Good. No. North Carolina to me is kind of like your staple. Um, and I know Meg Linehan said this in, in her awesome article about how that they're kind of the standard bearer of like, we don't need to do something wild where this is a good look, but this seems like a little weird for them. No, so it's, Kansas it's City, North Carolina, what aren't you liking? Well, I'm not liking the new dash kits, but it's not that they're bad. It's just that they're not as good as their old ones. But what I'm really not liking, as you may have guessed. Oh, yeah is uh <laughs> is racing louisville what? first of all um i have an i i have a, a personal bias against um feminine colors and and how all product marketers who try to market things for women try to escape making things pink because they don't want to be overtly obnoxious but then like their the their default is to go to purple and uh i just um I rebel against having that be like the default color for women's anything. Um, but beyond that, I mean, like, are we like looking at these socks? Like, are we 
Like, are these for Oscar Wilde? Like, are we looking at a dandy from the 18th century? Like, the 1800s? I don't... I, what? You don't like the socks? Uh, no, they're terrible. And you don't because like the I, lavender. I mean, I get what they're doing with the fleur-de-lis and the whatever, but I, I just... It's... Um, Wow, she's perplexed. She's just looking it's at It's like this. these tiny polka dots. I don't know. It's like something my grandma would wear. And then, you know, the whites and then the black kit with the large purple lilies on it. I, I just, like, did we get overly excited about I think, Easter? I like, think they're... I, are we going to church? Like, I just don't understand. Uh, you know, I flowers aren't competitive. No, this is not a winning kit. I'm not going to feel powerful taking the pitch. Well, they're calling this, by the way, if it's mean enough, where they're calling it midnight violet. So uh, with the fleur de lis. Mm -hmm. So, um, and they're also an ode, another problem. I think that's not, not a problem. I thought it was cool at the beginning, but they have, I guess there's like butterflies and bees in there to signify Muhammad Ali because he's from Louisville. But I'm like, aren't there plenty of, women who are from Louisville that you could kind of pay homage to anyway. Possibly. Um, anyway, uh, that's, it's wild. See, the reason I didn't hate Louisville is because it's so crazy out there, but I don't like the GE symbol. And right then, then you've got a circle yeah, and then done. another circle it's for done. their, their crest. It's just, it's, yeah. Doesn't look good. So I saved uh, one of my other favorites for our next news topic, which is a huge rebrand. The sky, sky blue are now, New Jersey, New York, Gotham FC. Their new symbol is uh, the Lady Liberty. What, is that the hat of the uh, Statue of Liberty? That's and, a crown. Um, it's the crown. Yeah, hat. Uh, what am I talking about? Hats. Jeez. Um, I do, my favorite part of this emblem is the N, Y, and J, because the J and the Y are supposed to look like both. So they're kind of representing both New York and New Jersey. But uh, I love this uniform. Love the black uniform with the like, electric blue sash across the middle. It feels kind of militaristic to me, like kind of badass. So I really like their home black kits. I love this look. But as for the rebrand, I'm not really digging it. I, I don't understand giving paying homage to a fictional comic book character who's a dude. I just don't understand. Like, so it's it's Gotham. So it's a fake city from Batman. So what are we talking about here? And I understand why they're doing the New York, New Jersey thing because they want both markets. But honestly, they should just own, like saying New Jersey, New York, Gotham FC is just a mouthful. And I think they should have just owned being New Jersey because New York would have gravitated anyway. What do you think? I actually have the opposite viewpoint of you. I was very skeptical of of the rebrand when I first heard about it because I thought they were going to go the way of the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, which if you translate that all into one language, it's the, the Angels, Angels of Anaheim, which is absurd. Um, so, you know, going for New York, New Jersey, Gotham City seemed along the same unfortunate road. However, when I dug a little bit deeper into it, I was fully on board. And here's why. 
One, from a branding perspective, this is really a, a significant improvement. Like sky blue to me conjures up like, oh, I'm lying on my back in a field looking at fluffy clouds. Like it's not a, you know, if I'm a kid and I want to buy a jersey, like that's not badass. I don't want to buy a sky blue jersey, but I want to buy a Gotham City jersey because that's cool. Can I, can right? I, can I interrupt for a second? Okay. I, I completely agree with the sky blue deal and Forever, when we started watching the NWSL a few years ago, I it took me forever to even know where they were where they were located. Right, because so, there's no identity. Yeah, so that was a that. huge deal. So yeah. completely on the page with you. Okay, continue. I Sorry. think the New York New Jersey thing works because I think they did an excellent job in their logo of pulling in both. I like that they kept the color and pulled it through. So their their branding is consistent. We're we're building on the legacy of things that people already know. And I think, you know, I to me. If the goal is to pull in New York as a market, then Gotham FC is a is a great name. I don't understand. I, I just don't. I, it just doesn't compute to me. I don't understand why you don't understand because you're the person that is always about like, oh, for college sports, for example, like the weirder the names, the better. Like I love the Buckeyes and the Terrapins and all these weird things. I would think that you'd be totally on board with something that's completely off the wall. Is a Buckeye something real? So your is issue is that it's fictional. Yeah, that's like being that's like being like the Indianapolis Kryptons. Like, what are we talking about here? <laughs> I just don't understand why we're pulling from that. Like, why are we pulling from Batman? Because I, I don't get it. Here's why. I think that there is a significant crossover in demographics between particularly women who watch the NWSL and maybe women who are gamers or would go to something like Comic-Con. So I think that this is speaking to the fans in a very specific way. I think that's smart marketing. It could be. Um, they uh, Take a look at the, also the New York Liberties WNBA logo, very close to this. So I'm not sure if that's like homage or or what, but either way, uh, we agree to disagree there. Uh, last bit of news is um, obviously there's been a public spat between uh, Megan Rapino and Draymond Green online. If you follow, we can't, we're not gonna catch you up on all of it, but publicly, Draymond Green of the uh, Golden State Warriors had a 12 tweet kind of book that he wrote about how, uh, with about the equal pay lawsuit. And basically his argument was um, pretty much is saying, what he's saying is stop, um, you can't just keep, you can't just keep calling out and asking for equal pay when the people that you, you know, that these companies that you work with or, or companies you work for aren't pushing your individual stars and making stars of them. Um, that's his main argument is that, Hey, I don't, you know, I don't know who Paige Beckers is for UConn. I don't know anything about her. So Megan Rapino pretty much responded, you know, here's who Paige Beckers is. Here's where she's from. Da, 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 da. You know, here's Sue birds, um, you know, uh, media or what's this uh, what's this she's like she started a um i don't have it in front of me right now but Stu Bird started her own basically like media company pushing um i think it's women's athletics i'll get it in front of me so i don't like a complete moron mm -hmm. but so that's draymond's argument megan rapino pretty much called him an ass for having this limited view she said he showed his ass showed his ass <laughs> sorry so holly what do you what do you think of this whole thing well Having read through uh, Draymond Green's tweet storm, 
here's my take on it. I don't think that he was coming from any kind of misogynistic point of view. I think he was actually trying to be an ally. And I think that I, I'm not sure that his choice of, of just tagging people on Twitter and, and starting this very public conversation was, uh, maybe the right way to go about it, but really where I think that, you know, he's, he's asking some interesting questions like who's, you know, who's building your platform, who's telling your individual stories, um, you know, what's going on with the, the companies that you are interfacing with and, and participating with and supporting, are they really putting their money where their mouth is? Those are all great questions, but where I think he went wrong is just, uh, you know, a lack of understanding of the space for women because, if you're in a place where you, you know, yes, women are also asking those questions. Who's building our platform? Who's telling individual stories? The problem is, is that um, if you can, you can make that point all you want, but unless someone is willing to fund that platform building or fund that kind of PR, then it doesn't matter if you know that that's how you need to build the league and and gain, you know, build revenue and therefore build leverage. So to me, I, I can see, you know, Megan Rapinoe's frustration because, you know, he's a little bit, it's like he tried to be an ally and ended up, you know, whether intentionally or not, talking out his ass about something that he didn't know about. Because I think that what he's saying is, is just like... Uh, what a lot of people say that's unhelpful. It's like, well, you should have done this differently. And it's like, well, what makes you think I haven't tried that a thousand different ways already? You know, it's ignorant to, to say, well, I know how to solve your problem because you probably haven't asked people if they've actually done that before and what the outcome was and why completely see the same thing. <laughs> like, it's like, that's a great point. All great points. Like, limited view came out very publicly you know he's got that little bit of Barkley in him where it's I like that he's opinionated and I like that he speaks his mind but people gave it right back to him and hopefully you know he'll become a little more educated on it hopefully he seems like someone that will maybe mold with it and come back and say okay well this is what I think now and here's what I'm doing now and I've seen yeah, people I mean, on Twitter cool saying like hey how about you do something about it like how about you promote it um and what we were talking earlier before we started recording too, is that I think the men's sports had the luxury of, you know, back in the seventies and eighties and early nineties when the boom of broadcasting and telling personal stories was happening. And you only had, you know, three networks that were showing games um, and, and radio and newspapers. So, you know, men's sports were being built through these very limited views and if people right. were exposed to it. Everybody had quickly. the same information because you only had four options of broadcast channels to watch. Yep. Yeah. And you think about Olympic stars, like everyone knows who Jackie Joyner Kersey is or, you know, Mary Lou Retton and all mm -hmm. these people. And so, yeah. And they were, yeah. And they were all pushed back in the day. And so there was like this moment in time, I think where you could build your brand and then the NBA has just kept it going. So what do you do now? It's a new day and age where you can tell these people's stories on a million different avenues. And you the know. other thing is, is that the standards are different because in order for women to get their stories told or to get their, you know, building their platform, 
you know, uh, and this translates into all society. There's sociological studies about how, like, you know, men are promoted based on potential and women are promoted based on experience. And so it's unfair. Well, it's okay. I'm not going to use that word. It's unrealistic to ask, you know, women to, to, uh, you know, be in action around all of these things when it's like, well, we won't give you this until you already prove it versus sociologically and culturally for men, we say, oh yeah, we see how you could have that potential. We'll give you a bunch of money to go actualize that. So the, this, you know, the standards of play are completely different. Yeah. Yeah. And hopefully we do see these broadcasters starting to <laughs> put a little more effort Yes. Uh, like recently with the NCAA championships with for women, like ESPN was all over it. They were broadcasting it, but hopefully you see some more of that momentum. So yeah, that's it. Um, that's it for the news. There you go. You hit it. Gold star for you. Oh man, these drops. They're just going to get better, everybody. Holly's a giant fan. So, okay, next we want to talk about if you want to start a fantasy league and play with your friends, you know, how does it work? You know, myself, I've been playing fantasy football Poorly, uh, for twenty. Poorly. <laughs> How many years has it been since you won a championship in fantasy football, Jared? Well, you said that incorrectly. Since I've won a championship, uh-huh. I've never won a championship. Exactly. <laughs> How many years have you been playing fantasy football? Uh, for um, I just finished my twenty fourth season. So, audience, your takeaway here is that uh, my opinion is going to be more valid when you're listening for fantasy advice, or that I know more about soccer than I do about. American football. Did you play soccer? Breaking news. <laughs> no, no, no. Did you play soccer? I did. When? When I was very young. Like, you know, ho-hos, orange slices, all that kind okay, of stuff. Okay, how old were you when you quit playing soccer? Oh, I don't know. 10. Okay. Did you play football? <laughs> Why are you outing me with our audience here? <laughs> I did play football. Okay, I was great. Uh-huh. Okay. That's my So, <laughs> so, um, and then... Uh, so where I, where was I? Okay, I'm flustered. So Holly and I started the fantasy NWSL last year. So we each have different amounts of experience playing fantasy. But if you're out there, maybe you've played fantasy football or basketball or baseball. Uh, and maybe you've never played fantasy soccer. Maybe you've played fantasy soccer, but fantasy women's soccer just isn't out there. It's just not. Like you can find MLS, Premier League, but there's no, you know, you can't go to Yahoo and just join a league or you can't go to CBS, which I think CBS has some giant potential there to make a league. So the only place you can really go is to the NWSL website for consistent stats. There's places like FB ref, but they're just not consistent. So if you want some consistent stats, the NWSL site has pretty up-to-date stats after each game. So when you want to start a fantasy league, you find, we think the most fair way to do it is you find four people who have an interest in women's soccer and, you know, just ask if they want to play. You can play for fun. You can play for money. You can play for bragging rights, make a group chat, Make a Google chat, make whatever the cool chats are nowadays, make a Slack chat about with your league. It's so much fun to do that. Um, the first thing you have to do is make a point system. So since, since this is uh, Holly and myself, this is our second year, we have a pretty good idea of what's fair and what works for each league. So we took elements from the Premier League and MLS and some other fantasy leagues that we saw, that we saw online, and we took some of that elements and implemented it into our own. And we use the stats, like I said, that are available to us through the NWSO website. And next, you'll create an Excel sheet where people can enter stats and all the numbers are kept track of all your bench players, all your starters, free agents. And we'll um, post a, a, a generic Excel spreadsheet because it's a, it's kind of a pain to create one of these. It's pretty intensive. And so we'll post out the one that we use and you can use that as a template. Yep. 
So uh, we'll, we'll, we'll share that online so everyone can, you know, partake this season. Yes. So once you have your point system, then you want to select your roster size. So for us, that roster is 10 players. And each week you're going to start seven and you'll have three on your bench. And the rules here for our league are you start one goalie, you start one defender, and then you can start five at any position. Presumably that will be your attackers and your midfielders. You can change your roster up until the kickoff of the game your players are playing in. Yes, and what I forgot to mention too is that based on this point system, which we will also be sharing, is that if you score as a defender or a midfielder, it's worth more than if you score as a forward because, you know, uh, shots are at a premium. But it'll all be listed. We'll, we'll, we'll tell everyone how that works. Um, the next thing you'll do is pick a draft night. So we are drafting directly after the Challenge Cup, which starts uh, today, uh, Friday. If, uh, if you're listening to this, um, it's today. So the Challenge Cup is going to go for the next month. We draft on Friday, May 14th. And then the regular season starts, I believe, May 15th for the NWSL. Well, we do a snake draft. If you don't know what that is, if you have four players, the first round goes A, B, C, D. And the second round goes D, C, B, A. So you rotate it so it's fair and everyone has the same caliber of players. And make it fun. You know, make a night of it. Order food, have drinks, talk trash. If you've got to do it virtually, set it up a Zoom. Just make it fun. It's I've been doing these drafts for years, and it's just great when you make a communal effort out of it. And you know, have a have a microphone, have a speaker, mispronounce names. It's it's the fun of the whole thing. So uh, just have a make a night of it because it could be the most fun you have all season. <laughs> yeah, especially, especially if, if you're suck. Jared. What? <laughs> All right, some more details about how to run your league throughout the season. We're going to talk injured reserve and COVID protocols. So for the injured reserve, each team has an IR spot available. So if one of your players gets injured, you can put them on IR. And that means that you hold on to them and they won't take up one of your 10 roster spots. So you put the injured player on IR, you draft a new person to your 10-person roster. For COVID, if a, if a team or a players is going through protocols, during the week, then you pick a backup player in case the starter has to sit. And if the original starter still plays, then no worries. If the starter is announced as out or if a team in which you have players has to postpone a game, then you will receive points from the black backup players you selected. Yeah, that's a tricky one. We had to kind of navigate that last year through fantasy football and it was, but it works. It works. And I, and the NWSL has been on top of their COVID, like they report every week who's testing and, and if there's anything to worry about. So they're on top of it. The next thing you'll do is make a schedule. So make a head-to-head -head schedule where this all works where if I'm playing Holly, my players play against hers. That's it. Basic. Easy. So you tally up the points for each team. And if, uh, let's say, Jared has 104 and Holly has 76, mm. then there you go. Then uh, Jared is declared the winner. You can tie. Um, ultimately, the top two of your four-team league will make the championship game. And the championship game will be played on the second to last week of the season. The reason is the last week of the season, some teams have already, you know, they've already uh, shored up playoff spots and they're resting players or uh, other teams are so terrible. They're playing their bench and they're trying out new things. So you don't get an accurate depiction of what teams rosters are. So play the second to last week of the season. and That's it for your championship game. So throughout the season, if you want to make trades or pick up free agents, free agent priority is based on weekly standing. So, for example, if Jared is in last place after week one, then he will Jeez. get first free agent priority pickup. Bull. And for, for our league, we'll have a weekly free agent pickup day that 
you know, we'll pick whatever day that is that makes the most sense. And Jared gets first pick, person who's in first place gets last pick. And then as far as trades go, those can be made freely throughout the season, as long as both parties agree. Boom! That's it. I don't have a cool drop for the end of our how to play fantasy. What? There's not one of those horrible drops that we were- Oh, I could just do this. We were doing in dress rehearsal. That's the same drop we've already heard. Like, I know. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'll have more. All right. So next we want to preview a couple teams that are playing. So each week for the next five weeks, we're going to preview two teams, you know, and what each of those teams brings to the fantasy world. You know, what players you should be watching out for, what players are going to be sitting and playing internationally, what players are hurt. So we want to start in Houston. We're going to start with the Houston Dash, last year's Challenge Cup champions. Woo -woo. Yeah, they defeated Chicago two to nothing. They were actually only one, two, and one in the group stage, but then they ran the table and they were three and oh in the playoffs. They did not surrender a single goal in regulation in the playoff portion. The goals leader was Rachel Daly with three. The assist leader was also Rachel Daly with two. In the fall series, they were three, oh, and one, and they finished in second place. The goals leaders were Shea Groom, Veronica Latsko, and Sophie Schmidt. They each had three, and the assist leader was Christy Mewis with five, which led the league. Key players that are out because of international competition or injury, Jane Campbell, Christy Mewis, Sophie Schmidt, Rachel Daly, Michelle Prince, Alicia Chapman. It's a lot. It's a lot. And we are coming up on an international window now. So the Challenge Cup games that you're seeing now for all of these teams will be an accurate depiction of what this team will look like without their international players. So watch them because... These players are going to be gone during the Olympics. You got to get an idea of who's not going to be there. Holly, thoughts on Houston? Yeah, so for me, given the fact that they have, you know, Campbell, Daly, Mewis, Prince, Schmidt out for international play, that this is really going to be the Shea Groom show. So I'm interested in how she will perform as a leader of this team without all of those people around her. And can she lead people to make plays? Will the rest of the team step up? So I'm really looking at Shea Groom in the fall series. She had 14 shots. Nine of them were shots on goal. She scored three goals. You know, in, in the Challenge Cup before that, seven shots, three shots on goal, all of which converted. So that's going to be my number one look. And beyond that, I really have my eye on three people. You know, I have... Uh, I have my eye on midfielder Brianna Vasali. She you know she she had you know four shots in the in the fall series and one of those was shots on goal, you know, in the Challenge Cup she had four shots, two shots on goal and and three key passes. So I'm really going to see, you know, is she going to step up and be able to convert? Will she be more productive? And then I'm also looking at two other players. I'm looking at Katie Stengel as an attacker and also Christine Nairn in the same position. They both weren't very productive in the 2020 season. However, they both came in late in the games and were able to produce shots late in the games. And so what I want to see is, will they be able to, you know, will they be playing more minutes when all of the international players are out for the FIFA window and will they be productive in those minutes? They're gonna have a lot of people missing. But a lot of teams are. And so I really feel like Latsko and Groom are the real deal. I mean, those two just in the fall series had six goals total, which is half of the team. Now, I know Mewis had five assists, so she really runs the show there and knows how to get people open, knows how to feed people. I get it. But the way that Houston plays, 
the way that they play, they're an attacking team. And I know last year they played a lot of a 4-3-3. So you still got Vasali, as you mentioned, up top. You still got Latsko up top. And then in the middle, you still got Groom. Now, it's huge that you're missing Schmidt and Muse as, as midfielders. Like, so who are you going to put in there? You know, I was looking at their roster. It's like, who's going to, no one's really going to take those numbers from them. But you've got Haley Hansen and Amber Marshall and and, and some and players like that. So we'll, we'll see. And uh, my cat, our cat really wants to be involved in this podcast. So if you hear a couple of meows, that's our cat Hector. <laughs> he, he has an opinion about Houston, apparently. But I think I've heard some other podcasts talk about kind of doubting Houston in the West for the Challenge Cup, that is. And I really think the way they play, and then coming off that Challenge Cup win last year, like, do not doubt this team. And they will at some point get Rachel Daly and Christy Mewis back. Um, Christy Mewis, who knows if it's going to be for a long portion, depending on what happens at the Olympics. But I really think Shea Groom and Veronica Latsko are going to come through, and they'll be big, big numbers people again, no matter who's gone internationally. All right, you guys have got your scouting sheet for the Challenge Cup for Houston. Boom. Let's go to the Chicago Red Stars, who Houston is playing uh, today in the first round of the Challenge Cup. Uh, Chicago, they lost to Houston in the Challenge Cup final last year. They were also 1-2-1 and one in the group stage, 2-1 and one in the playoffs. Goals leaders were Morgan, is it Goutrat? Goutra? Goutro? I should know. Goutra? Yeah, didn't you have high school French? Um, yes, and I did horribly. Uh, Rachel Hill, Savannah McCaskill, and Casey Kruger, and Bianca. Uh, is, there, is it Bianca Rose St. George now? Anyway, so it's one goal. They all had just one goal apiece. Those are the leaders. And McCaskill was the leader in assist with two. The fall series, they finished sixth, one, two, and one. Goals leader was Kaylea Watt with two. Key losses for this team, McCaskill and Nagasato. Huge losses. I mean, that that to me is just giant, gigantic. But they did add Mal Pugh, Sarah Killian in a trade with Sky Blue. Now Play- Gotham FC. Oh God. Oh man, that's gonna that's that's just, that's gonna be killer this year. <laughs> Thank you. you. Uh, thanks for the correction. Players that are out because of international competition or injury are Alyssa Nair, Tina Davidson, Casey Kruger, Bianca Saint Bianca Saint George, Julie Ertz, Mallory Pugh, Holly. Thoughts on the Red Stars? So, uh, you know, I think that this, we've established that similar to Houston, this is going to be, you know, the Kelia Watt show. But I think beyond that, you know, who are we looking at? To me, you know, the even though they've got no Nair, no Ertz, no Pew, no Kruger, no Davidson, to me, the, the outlook for the Red Stars is is still fairly favorable. They have a lot of potential. I don't think that Nagasato was a huge loss. I think that she just didn't gel with that team last year. She didn't fit in. She wasn't productive. McCaskill is definitely a loss, but I think there's a lot of people that could step up. You know, of those people that's all scored one goal in 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 the last in the last season, the the three that I have my eye on are Vanessa DiBernardo, Morgan Gatro, and Sarah Lubert. You know, I think Vanessa DiBernardo, you know, she scored on on one of two shots. Her numbers look really good. She's got, you know, two shots, one of which she converted in the fall series with seven key passes and one assist in the Challenge Cup. She had three shots, you know, one shot on goal and six key passes. So I'm really going to be looking at her in the midfield, and I'm also going to be looking at Morgan Cottrell in the midfield. You know, she did score on one of five shots in the fall series. She also had an assist and some key passes, and I think, you know, in the Challenge Cup before that, 
you know, she had two shots, both were on goal. You know, she had, uh, she had, you know, one that she converted into scoring and three key passes. And I think, you know, she had actually even less playing time in the fall than she had in the challenge cup. So, you know, I'm looking to see what she can really do if she gets a lot of playing time and she's out on the pitch. And then Sarah Lubert, honestly, you know, she only, she only played 70 minutes in the challenge cup, but in the fall, you know, she, she scored, she had three shots total, two assists and six key passes. So I really think, you know, as an attacker that she could, she could step up for this team. So those are my three that I'm watching. What about you, Jared? What concerns me about Chicago is they struggled last year against kind of mediocre competition. Like they were one, two and one and they got beat. They got beat by, they got beat by Washington. They got beat by now Gotham FC and they, you know, then they come back and tie Washington and I don't have everything in front of me, but I feel like, they, they, they played down uh, in the fall series. And a lot of people, the, argu- the argument is, um, man, this cat. <laughs> <laughs> the, the argument, everyone keeps saying that Chicago's deep and they don't have as many international stars that are going to miss time. And that, that may be true, but when I look at your team, when you were at full strength last year, your full strength team in the fall was one, two, and one. And I just don't get excited. And then when it comes to the Challenge Cup and who you might be missing during the Olympics midway through the regular season, you could be missing defenders, Davidson, Kruger, and in goal, you could be missing Nair. You're going to be missing Nair. And you're going to be missing St. George uh, when she's with Canada. Well, and and you're missing Ertz. That's a big one. And then, yeah, in the middle. So a lot of people say they're deep, but I, I just don't have that same positive outlook on them. But I love Kaylee Watt. I think she's a star. I think it's a matter of who's going to get her the ball and get her out front. Is she going to play over the top? Because she's exciting in the open field. But will she have the opportunities? And you mentioned some great names. I think you mentioned Goralski earlier and Lubert earlier. And if, oh my gosh, you imagine if Mal Pugh is healthy and then, you know, even if she goes to the Olympics, that's, they're really solid when they have the whole team. But I think they're missing a ton on the back end, and they, it might force those really talented forwards and midfielders that they have to play back. All right. So well, I'm I'm concerned about them. We'll see tonight. Yes, we will. To wrap it up, Holly. Yes, Jared. Last year we had our big time fantasy players. You had your Lynn Williams. You had Dabinia. You had Rachel Daly early. Rachel Daly, gotta give her a shout. These are names that everyone will become familiar with, or everyone already is especially now in the fantasy world. But looking at it, someone who was on the outside of that kind of top 10, top tier fantasy player, who do you think in 2021 is going to become a top 10 fantasy player or has a really good chance to? Oh, for me, it's Ifeoma Onumonu and Gotham FC. I think, you know, all 2020, she was a key part of the attack. You know, in the Challenge Cup, she was getting shots. She had nine key passes. And in the Fall Series, you know, she played four complete games. She scored three goals. She had five shots on goal, seven shots total. And I think that she's only going to get better as this team gels. Wow. I really like her game. She was fun to watch. Mine mine is Ziara King. Love Ziara King. Love what she did in Utah last year. Now she got, you know, picked up by O.L. Reign. And she gets to play out front with Bethany Balser, Sofia Huerta, 
and then Megan Rapino when she plays. Then you've got stars like Allie Watt, who when she gets healthy, that might not be till next year, but specifically 2021, Balser, Huerta, and Rapino, and you've put King in there. I really think uh, she showed a lot of promise when you look at what she did, specifically in the 2020 fall series. She had at least one shot on goal every game, and she had a total of five in four games. That's a lot of activity, and that's with someone like... Um, I'm completely blanking, and I'm so angry that I'm I'm blanking on uh, Kansas City's main goal scorer now, Jared. Oh, this is like this is this is this is this is I'm gonna hate myself forever on this. Um, Amy Rodriguez. So that's with playing with you know people like Rodriguez and Ratcliffe. King still got hers, so I really think she's gonna be a good attacking forward this year, and I think the OL reign is gonna be much improved because they showed a lot of a lot, a lot of improvement in the fall series. So the West is tough though. I mean, I think I have my eye on her as well. She was my sleeper pick from the challenge cup draft and she produced for me. So definitely be looking out for that. Yeah. It's in the books. We're done. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I hope uh, everyone listening. I I hope that we're not going to be stating the obvious at the beginning and end of every podcast from here on out, you guys. You don't like that? No, I don't like it. (laughs) Nobody cares. Nobody wants to listen to that. (laughs) <laughs> I hope everyone listening got a good uh, kind of basic course, crash course on like what to do. And, and it's Holly and I are super excited uh, to be playing fantasy this year and to expand our league. And we're really excited to be sharing it with everybody and sharing that passion. So hit us up on social and let us know what your thoughts are. If you think I'm dead wrong on Chicago, or if you think Holly is going to lose to Jared uh, again this year, <laughs> So. For the record, I won the Fall Series Fantasy Challenge. It's all about that Challenge Cup. Everyone knows that. That's why mm. Houston's got that little star. They made their own Challenge Cup star. Got to give it up to Houston on that. That's a great patch. But um, uh, next week, we're going to come back uh, even stronger and even with better sound effects. And we're going to be uh, reviewing some of the action. We're getting like five or six games until the next until the next show. So we're going to have tons. We're going to see how good these teams really are and how bad you really hate Louisville's kits. Yes, and we'll be previewing the Thorns and the kits that we hate the most, Racing Louisville. Awesome. So uh, we'll see you all next week. Later. Later. You need to have it with you at all times. You don't even have a pocket for it right now.